What is up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tack podcast, October the 28th, 2021. Uh, just uh, almost, it will be Halloween right around the corner. want to remind everybody out there watching, of course, uh, in replay, everybody listening in the audio podcast world, uh, join us uh, Halloween evening, 10 Eastern time, I think, for the Halloween special. I uh, would love to have you over for uh, the, the annual reading of Edgar Allan Poe's Telltale Heart, as well as the Great Pumpkin Pop. So uh, that should be a uh, should be a fun time. Uh, scroll down below, you'll see we always like to give a special thanks out to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, uh, those that super chat, and uh, those who uh, do the super thanks, as well as those who shop clovertech.com slash shop we've got the green cap today uh, do have a few of these in stock as well as the blue ones over there uh, if you uh, want to partake we would appreciate it so uh, gonna bring in uh, here very shortly gonna bring in Dan Waz author of uh, Good Gun Bad Guy or rather the series we're gonna talk about uh Quite a few things probably on the uh, on the agenda today. I uh, do want to mention the poll that is out there. Uh, and if you are listening in replay, uh, hey, you need to come over and catch these lives, participate in the chat, because we do have the poll. Uh, and uh, that poll question is right now, which one of these made-up terms is the most important for us to try and counter? Uh, and the options are assault rifle, gun violence, ghost gun, and high capacity magazine. So I appreciate all the votes. So we'll check in on that poll a little later in the show before we get out of here. Uh, also speaking uh, of the guest, uh, welcome and open to any questions and, of course, comments uh, as we move forward in the conversation with our guest. If you have those two ways that you can get those out there and get my attention to make sure they are seen. The first cost you absolutely nothing, and that's by putting your question out there and making sure that you add uh, the at symbol CloverTac, all one word, the at symbol CloverTac. And alternatively, if you want to get my attention, you can also super chat, but absolutely not required. Uh, with that, let's bring in the man of the hour. Let's bring uh, in Dan. How are you, buddy? Chris, thanks for having me on your show. I've been looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you know, I've been wanting to get you on ever since GRPC 2019 and I ended up losing your information and life happens and <laughs> and everything else. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad that uh, glad that you could make it. I, I've really I enjoyed your speech at uh, GRPC at AMCON and all that in, in 2019. Enjoyed it uh, this year as well. For those that aren't familiar with you what you've done maybe it's the first time that they're seeing your face uh give us a little rundown of uh who you are and and what you do well okay let me try to give you some bullet points here i i really <laughs> am just a just a guy who started to see the um the 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 manipulation of the of the gun narrative in this country i started to understand how they were changing the narrative with terminology. You talked about some of the terminology, assault weapon, high capacity gun violence. We talked, I'll talk, I'll get into all that stuff. Um, but it started to recognize how the media and how the, the liberal left really do a good job of demonizing guns and gun owners and trying to 
to, uh, you know, basically make people scared of guns who don't know any better and create a hatred toward gun owners because they, they try to convince people that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. Now, none of this is true, but the narrative works and the, and the marketing strategies they use work. Uh, so I, I got in, into the conversation, of, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, and um, really started to hammer on those points. You know, what, what are we what are we talking about here? Why are we letting them change the narrative and manipulate the conversation? And, you know, understanding that, of course, they do it because they want to ga gain more support for gun control laws and gun restrictions. Um, so I started uh, analyzing it and I've become quite the enemy to the to the gun grabbing liberal left. They don't like me very much because I expose them and I. I, uh, I basically uh, tell their secrets um, to the public. And uh, many people have gone years and decades without re recognizing the strategies they use. And, and my job, it seems, has become um, somehow to expose all that. So, so here we are, and I'm happy to talk about any of this stuff. Right. And again, if you have questions out there in the live chat, let us know. We've got uh, G-Webs. These questions may throw us off kilter every now and then. Uh, G-Web's out there has what he says publishing in 2021. He said, any insight on paper versions, uh, opinions, experience, cost, etc.? Um, is he talking about uh, publishing books? Or are we talking about I'm, actual? I'm assuming. I mean, I could. I guess I can address books. Yeah. I mean, I've got a three book series, and and um, so 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 publishing. It, it's it's not necessarily. Um, difficult to do. It's time consuming, but uh, my all my stuff is self-published uh, through my corporation. Um, articles, I, I publish articles through uh, several different different uh, websites. Ammo Land, um, just actually just published one yesterday. Um, Daily Caller, uh, Truth About Guns, um, several. Uh, Western Journal, I've written for several different. So uh, opinion pieces, are, are, are a good way to, to get the message out. Um, I, I think I answered the question. I guess I really didn't understand the question, right. but there you go. Well, I mean, I didn't either necessarily. And if that didn't cover it, of course, G-Webs, you're, you're welcome to, to throw another question out there, uh, rephrase. Uh, but I, I want to I chase this just for a second, Dan, uh, right. and kind of follow up on that because I, I think, you know, we see, we see radio start you know kind of died off we've seen print media die off we've seen the quote-unquote mainstream media and they really hate it when people call them the mainstream media because we are the mainstream media now yeah. they are not we've got, we've got <laughs> um, the numbers they're they're old and they're dying at this point mm -hmm. um and so as far as the printed material like the books uh do you think that we are more effective as advocates and, and advocates really honing in and learning the digital space right now? Uh, and should we be trying to maybe teach some of that older crowd that is just intent on using old mediums like radio, like print media, uh, these mechanisms, these new, these new technologies that we have? Well, yeah, it's a good, I mean, good question. I, I happen to still like books. Um, I, I'm con I constantly have at least two or three books going different topics, whatever I'm working on at the moment, whatever I'm trying to input and trying to download. Um, so, so books to me are, are important and I like the physical aspect of them. 
Um, but you can't get away from from online content. I mean, that's it's just the way it is. And I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, that's where everything is. That's where all the content is. And a lot of it's, you know, garbage, but uh, much of it is really good, really good stuff. If you're following the right, uh, the right people, the right authors and the right publications. So um, I, I guess, a, I guess books are preference. Um, online is, so it's almost mandatory. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I just know a lot of the you know, online. I mean, not online. I know a lot of what I would consider the old guard, old school, 2A activists and advocates that, I mean, they primarily work through, again, through you know, radio and written stuff. Sure. And it's and, and not they they aren't leaning so heavily into the in the technology. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's something they should do or if maybe they should do themselves, I should say, or maybe there's not an opportunity there for them to align themselves in maybe a mentor capacity with somebody younger, more adapt to technology. We've got, you know, we've seen a lot of that at Amcon with a lot of the uh, younger crew coming on board, the two activists and, and advocates, uh, you know, is there an avenue there where some of the old guard can collaborate with some of the new guard, maybe, uh, and get kind of get the best of both worlds out of the technology, right? Well, let me tell you this. I, you know, just doing media, I, I do probably, well, today I think I did three three media hits. Yeah, I'll do probably three or four media hits a day. Any radio station across the country, whether it's Ohio or San Francisco or Detroit or Chicago, wherever I'll do radio hits. And, and, and I got to tell you across this country, you may not realize it, but there is a huge uprising of conservative talk radio. It's unbelievable. The list, I, I, I couldn't even imagine uh, unless I was in the business doing it. Um, tons and tons of, of radio. So, so radio is, is definitely not something to take lightly. It's a serious, it's a serious player. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so, so I, I think it's just a wide, a wide variety. And the thing oh. is conservative views are starting to infiltrate every medium, every aspect we're, we're infiltrating TV with, with channels like the first and OAN and, and, and some of those, uh, some of those up new uh, news channels coming up radio, like I said, all over the country syndicated and, 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 you know, one, you know, single area radio, radio shows, uh, print, uh, print media is still big, like I said, books, and and then the, of course online content. So conservative talk, uh, conservative messaging is becoming huge. It's absolutely huge, and we you know we call it the mainstream media, but the left wing media is what I like to call them. Um, they're starting to feel the pain, and they're starting to be concerned. Right. Um. Let's let's go if you're okay with it. Let's jump into this poll. <clears throat> Let's lead into that. I do want to get into some of the more recent articles that you that you said you have written. Uh, certainly would like to hear your insights on that. I don't know that we're going to agree on some of that, to be honest, which is perfectly fine. But um, <laughs> let's let's kind of break these down a little bit, if you don't mind, Dan, sure. because, again, this was all kind of part of your presentation at Amcon, which was which was awesome. So let's start with assault rifle. Okay. Uh, where do they where do they get us on that? We didn't. We didn't really hear this term a lot until Diane Feinstein came out with that with her assault weapons ban. Um, 
it eventually eventually sunset. It was in the '90s and it sunsetted ten years later because it didn't. It proved to not uh, solve the problem of human violence. So, but when they came out with that term, they 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 wanted a term that would scare the hell out of people. An assault weapon somehow does that. It conjures up that. It evokes that emotion, that sure. fear. And you might remember Diane Feinstein holding up that AR-15. And, you know, and, and anytime you'll see a, a school killing or something like that, they'll run that AR-15 across the across the TV screen and they'll use that term assault weapon. Now, assault is it's it's an uncomfortable term. I mean, whether you're talking about uh you know, we, uh any kind of weapon, or you're talking about a dog attack, whatever you're talking about, when you use the word assault. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good to us as people, as human beings. So they, they, they knew that and they attached it to guns because the idea is to synonymously link assault, a fearful, emotional, reactive thing to firearms because that's the thing they want to demonize. So it, it's, it's interesting when you hear this term all the time, you understand logically what they're doing but we don't really push back on it and as a matter of fact sometimes i will even hear fellow gun owners using the term assault weapon and it makes me cringe because i don't think people realize that we're buying right into and we're playing right into this this uh this narrative this visual narrative uh so it's a good strategy if you're trying to demonize guns and scare people um but it's a very dishonest strategy and i wouldn't expect anything else from the left but but that's but that's the that's the strategy right there that's just one of them we could get into high capacity ghost guns and all the other stuff um but but if you want to if you want to discuss that one a little bit i'm ha- i'm happy to yeah you know i want to i kind of want to take that that to a natural i think what i think is a natural progression but before we do that for those out there that are lacking the better term that do use assault rifle or assault weapon, do you have any advice for those people to utilize in a conversation? Oh, I, I would use a semi-automatic rifle. I would use AR-15. I would use the the actual definitions, uh, the actual terms. You know, never, ever use their their terms because that's what they want. Right. You know, I have a, a habit uh, of saying firearm far more often than I say gun. Ah. Um, and the reason that I do that, it it goes back into you shooting sports and dealing with, you know, kids and stuff. Well, you've got a BB gun, right? You've got an airsoft gun you've got. And when you say firearm, it's a much more technical. Oh, sure. Just, it sounds more important, right? Um, like we need to pay more attention to this. Um, and so that's one of the reasons it's, it's more accurate, right? Uh, could you could have a potato gun, you could have a water gun, you could have a lot of different guns, <laughs> but a firearm has a technical definition. Um, the the progression that I wanted to go with here, uh, is yeah, obviously, we had the the assault weapon, the assault rifle. Now, the big thing is weapon of war. Was Ooh. that a do you see that as a progression that assault rifle didn't work, or maybe because assault <laughs> rifle worked, they added to it? What do you that think was the thinking there? Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. And, and very, very intuitive because, well, I the first time I really started hearing that term was 
when Obama and Hillary Clinton were using it. And they were using this term weapons of war. That That's the one you asked me about, weapons of war, right? Weapons of war, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I never really, you know, heard it being used in the, in the public forum uh, until Obama and Hillary. And obviously we know why they were doing it. They were trying to uh, make Sally soccer mom believe that, you know, there's these military grade weapons and tanks and, and, you know, all sorts of, you know, scary military uh, weaponry in the, in the cul-de-sac, you know, <laughs> like in the neighborhood weapons of war on our streets. It's so dishonest. Um, but like I said, it works. And Sally soccer mom, she would go to the polls and she would vote for the politician who promised to keep her and her family safe from these so-called weapons of war. Sure. It's all a manipulation tactic. It's all a fear tactic and a tool to get people to vote for the politicians that, you know, but if, if you, if you look at weapons of war, it, it didn't really, it wasn't really it didn't really take off. It wasn't really popular. You didn't, you heard it a little bit during Obama and Hillary, and then it kind of died off because I don't think it worked. I think it was a little over the top. Right. Uh, and it really, and, and because right. I, and I think that even they said, well, this, this is not gonna, this isn't gonna fly. People are smarter than this. They're not going to fall for this weapons of war. Um, so they stopped using it for a while and then they brought it back again, just recently uh, a little bit, maybe, four or five years ago, I started hearing it a little bit more. Um, I don't think weapons of war is one that will stick. And like I said, because I think it's just a little bit over the top. People aren't that stupid. Some people are, but most people aren't. And um, I think the, the politicians who can use, who use that stuff, that rhetoric and those, and that terminology, I think they realize that they don't want to, um, they don't want to be too ridiculous because they'll lose credibility. So I think that's what happened with weapons of war. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's chase this down. Where did you want to go from there? Did you have a, <laughs> well, if you want to talk about these, I think, you know, high capacity is pretty self-explanatory. Right. They want, you know, anything high capacity is high What's, power. Well, and, yeah. Well, in order to have high capacity, you have to acknowledge standard capacity. That's yeah. that's my problem. And yeah. standard capacity, if we're talking about the AR-15 platform, standard capacity is 30 rounds. Yeah. So how can 30 rounds be high capacity if yeah. if it's standard capacity? It doesn't make any well, sense. How can standard capacity well, be high capacity? Make up your mind. It doesn't make any sense to people like you who understand, <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we look at these things and we say, this is absolutely stupid and ridiculous, but remember there are people who know nothing about guns and all they have to hear is high capacity and they're running they're you know, they're, they're running to their, the, you know, right. to the closet. Right. They don't are scared to death. These people are weak minded. They don't seek out knowledge, especially about guns because they've been taught to denounce them. So when you're taught to denounce something, are you actually going to go out and research it and get more knowledge on it? Probably not. You're because you know your peers, your, the people around you are telling you, "Oh, guns are bad." You know, you know Barack Obama knows everything, and he says, and and so what they'll do is they they will they will prevent themselves from getting any information. So when you when you and I are talking about thirty round magazines as standard capacity, 
They're freaking out, but they're unwilling to go learn and they're unwilling to take any information from us because they've been taught that we are the bad guys and we're giving them false information when in fact it's the Democrat politicians, it's the left-wing media that's giving them the false information. So uh, so high capacity, you know, in, in New York State, they tried calling 10 rounds high capacity and had a limitation. <laughs> and, and that's and unfortunately that's where I am. Um, and, uh, they, they, it was seven rounds was the, was the max. And then now, uh, now it's back up to 10. So, uh, but it's, it's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Right. Technically, te- technically, you know, high capacity, 30 round magazine versus 10 round magazine. It's, it's all, it's all just a bunch of nonsense, but, but it's really just designed to, to scare people. Mm, right. Uh, that goes tactical out there. Uh, valid point. He says they've even made semi-automatic sound yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, by attaching fully in front of it. Sometimes I see that, right? Yeah. Uh, fully is it's fully semi-automatic. Well, yeah. how does that work exactly? <laughs> well, Hillary Clinton was doing that. She was calling it fully semi-automatic, and she was calling semi-automatic rifles fully auto, fully automatic rifles knowing and, and now you got to think now here this is Hillary Clinton she's been in this game for a long time she mm-hmm. knew exactly what she was doing she knew the difference between semi-automatic and fully automatic she she understood this but she would use the term fully automatic anyway because she knew it had a scarier uh, a scarier message attached to it scarier visuals attached to it they think that you know these semi-automatic rifles are spraying bullets you know they, they, they because that's what they're taught they don't understand they're given mixed messages and they're giving scary visuals in movies and they're getting they're getting lies from the talking heads on CNN so they're completely manipulated they're completely um you know their thought process is really just just manipulated they they can't think for themselves they've only got limited information and the information they have is usually false so, uh, yeah. So, so high capacity. I mean, that, that's, that's basically it. They just don't get it. They don't understand. Right. Uh, so DJ out there got a question. I don't know uh, if you're familiar with this. I know I'm not. He says regarding weapons of war, he said, what do you think of the Boston globe article about police having them and what Biden has suggested in that regard? Okay, I'm not too familiar with with the Boston Globe article. I am familiar recently with Biden saying nine millimeter handguns and semi-automatic rifles should be banned or something like that. So, um, just just I don't know. So, DJ, you're going to have to phrase that uh, with uh, in mind that uh, keep in mind that yeah, we don't know what article you're talking about. So, rephrase, resubmit. Uh, Yeah, moving on. Um, we've got ghost gun and we've got gun violence left. You okay. Hit on, hit on one of those. <clears throat> yeah. And these are very important ones too. Um, ghost gun, ghost gun, come, come it brings with it. Uh, it, how am I going to spooky? Put it's Halloween. Just well, well, that, it. it's well, that's spooky. Spooky. <laughs> sure. Of course. That, that's the idea there. Ghost gun is scary and ghosts and, and, you know, possession and all that, and a haunted house and all that stuff. So of course people are scared to go, what, what could you be more scared of than a ghost? Right. So, so that's, it's blatantly obvious what they're trying to do there with ghost gun, but there's a bigger message behind ghost gun. And I want to try to, I want to try to articulate this ghost guns 
um, what they call ghost guns are guns that um, can't be can't be tracked by the government. In other words, no serial numbers uh, can be homemade, can be whatever. The idea that that they can create this term ghost gun and make people believe that guns should be registered. That's the game. Okay, so it's it's not only about scaring people about the guns, it's about inherently implying that guns should be registered. This couldn't be further from the truth. There's no reason guns should be registered with the government. Uh, in 1791, when the first 10 amendments were ratified, the, you know, our founding fathers didn't, you know, didn't say, okay, well, we're going to give the government serial numbers of all our guns. It was just, it was unheard of. It, the idea of the Second Amendment was that, that the government didn't know who had the guns and it was none of their damn business, frankly. Mm -hmm. But when you create a term like ghost guns, you convince the public that guns, well, they that they should be registered, number one. That's the biggest part of the game because that ties in with, with universal background checks. This is why they're pushing so hard for universal background checks because if they can get universal background checks, they can register every single gun in America and the government will know where they are, what, what it is, who owns it, and, and all the information they need. So now we take ghost guns, the term, as the tool and we tie it to universal background checks. In other words, Ghost guns, people think, oh, they should be registered. We need universal background checks. Okay, so that's the first part of the game. The second part of the game is what's happening right now is they're trying to pass red flag laws. Now, red flag laws are basically a way of, of your police departments to confiscate guns without due process. In other words, you can just be accused of being a danger to society and the cops can come in, take your guns. And then you have to prove your innocence later. So you've got a few different components here, and people don't really tie these in together. You have universal background checks is what they're pushing for. And you have red flag laws, which is another thing they're pushing for. Ghost guns is really just a term to get people on board with the universal background checks. Because in order to enact red flag laws, you need to know where the guns are. So the universal background checks and the red flag laws go hand in hand and the term ghost guns is, 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 is created to fuel the process and get people on board. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting perspective, but I, I do see where you're going with that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to talk about gun, gun violence now here, I think one, that's, the, I think that's the big one, right? I think yeah. that's the, I think that's, that's the, the crux of what we deal with today. We hear that so often and it's, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and gun gun violence, the so-called gun violence. Um, obviously, you, you're tying in violence, which we we talked about with assault, and it's the same kind of feeling. Violent behavior is is scary. It's something that we don't want to experience. It's something we don't like, um, and it's something that we fear. Uh, tie that in with whatever you want. You can tie it in with you know, well, I don't know, with, I don't think of anything, you know, com computer violence, I don't know, anything, you can tie That's it right. in with anything. Well, but, well, that is a real thing with online yeah. bullying and harassment and other things, absolutely. So, but when you take that term gun and you attach it to violence, you're, 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 in, you're, you're saying that a gun can be violent. Now, when you look at the definition of violence, violence is a behavior. 
violence can only happen from a, a person or an animal. It's it's a behavior. It's a it's it's a behavior that um, you you have to have inherent uh, you have to have inherent um, cognitive uh, resources to do. You 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 have to be alive and conscious to 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 um, to act violently. So by tying that into a gun, you're you're basically trying to convince people that guns are inherently uh, able to to act out which is not true. We, we understand guns are an inanimate object. But when you take the term violence, everybody knows what it is, and you attach it to guns, which pe many people already fear, it, it's a perfect marriage of this, this kind of uh, combination of fear and illogical thought. Guns cannot be violent. Only a person pulling the trigger. We talked about Alec Baldwin recently. Only the guy who pulled the trigger is, is responsible for that act of, of violence, whether it's violence or whether it's accident or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the idea that these people can take the word gun and attach it to violence is really just uh, a way of helping people think that guns can act on their own. And that, that's the part that I have a problem with because obviously we know they can't. So that's, or that's, that's or that the gun in some way contributed to the violence. Yeah. Right. 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 So, you know, I, and then they'll say things like, well, yeah, obviously, obviously the person pulled the trigger. Yeah. But but the narrative that you're creating with the term gun violence is that the gun did it, is that the gun right. somehow is it, and, or it and, changed. It magically changed that person. Right. Like the. Yeah. Yeah. Or And that's a great point right there, because I talk a lot about that, is that these people, a lot of these gun grabbers believe that the gun can make you do bad things. Mm -hmm. It's it's a crazy thought process, but they don't understand. They, you know, I'll tell you a little story. Um, I I was I, I know this this friend who's an anti-gunner, and I wrote about this in my book. And basically, the way the story went was, she said, "Yeah, Dan, I was in line at the bank, and there was a guy in front of me with a gun. You know, open. You know, he had it open. You could see it. She she knew he had a gun on his hip." And um, I said, yeah, so what? She said, well, don't you see the problem there? And I said, no, I don't understand what you're talking about. This must have been a guy who was a security guard or or whatever. He was in line at the bank cashing his check, and he had a, he, he was open carrying. And she said, don't you think that's a problem? I said, what are you talking about? He had a gun right there. She said, it was right out in the open. And I said, I really don't understand what you're talking about. What's the problem? And as our conversation went on. She finally admitted what she was thinking. And she said, Dan, I can't believe you don't see a problem with that. I could have easily grabbed that gun and started shooting people. And I said, really? I said, is that what's going on in your mind? You see a gun oh, snap. and you imagine visually, you visually imagine yourself grabbing that gun and shooting people. I said, the gun's not the problem. The gun owners aren't the problem. You liberal progressives who are trying to ban them are the problem because you have this, <laughs> this you have this delusional thought process That's going on rough, in your head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so, so this is a perfect example of someone who doesn't understand, but imagines the gun making her 
do right. something bad. It's a scary thought when you know that you're walking around in public with these people. Well, what I like about that story is how you approach that questioning her, right? Like a lot of times somebody would say something like that and too many of us on the you know program pro 2a side would automatically snap or jump right to defense it like it's his right to have that or instead of questioning her and going well why do you say that why do you why do you think that right dig a little deeper into you know why they're doing that And, and i think all too often and you've talked about that before all too often they will say something and we jump from that defensive position every single time it's like clockwork and We've got to stop doing that. That's right. That's that's very that's very true, and that's human nature. You know, we're we're defensive of our position most of the time, and um, but but in this case, if you really want to put someone back on their heels, all you have to do is ask them a question. Just ask them why. You know, why? What makes you think that way? That's all you have to ask because they'll start revealing themselves, and you know. It's it's actually kind of kind of interesting, and it's almost embarrassing when people start revealing their true thoughts about things um, that they don't even realize. All you have to do is say, "Well, how do how do you come to that conclusion?" You know. And if you and if you're truly interested in trying to move somebody right to change their opinion, right, or their belief system or their thoughts, that's the first step. Is you've got to know where they're coming from, right? Yeah. What life experiences have they had that have led up to that point that have created, you know, the the situation in their mind where they have that belief or that opinion, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and and starting to deal with that aspect of it, like the the anti-gun part of it is a, it's not the root of the issue, right? It's it's the projection. It's what we see, um, as a result of what's happened in their life, or maybe just books they've read and media they've consumed it could be that simple uh, but that's a it's a it's a reaction it's an afterthought right it's a it's a result i guess is what i'm saying <clears throat> well th- and that's that's a good point because it brings me to the topic of beliefs you know you mentioned beliefs like what what they're consuming what they're reading what they're um surrounding themselves with and Really, the way this works is that we have a belief structure on any number of things, and that belief structure is built from what we consume, just like you said, what we read and what we listen to. And what we So we have a belief structure, and that belief structure ultimately um, determines our daily thoughts. So the way, the way we think about anything, the way we think about an article, the way we think about... Um, anything that we encounter. So the beliefs change the way we think on a daily basis. And the way we think on a daily basis ultimately results in the actions that we'll take. Right. The, the things we'll do in the outside in the world, the, the things we'll say, and, and, and the way we act in society. So beliefs germinate thoughts and thoughts determine our actions. So if you want to make someone take a certain action, you have to get under their beliefs and you have to change the way they think about things. And, you know, media knows this. This is why you'll, you'll see marketing strategies like, you know, McDonald's, I'm loving it, right? Or Nike, uh, just do it. 
you hear these terms and you hear these things and you instantly think about those companies and, you know, you instantly think about the products. It's because they've changed your belief structure through repetition. Now, belief structures can be changed through repetition or they can be changed when you're in a heightened state of emotion. So in other words, if you're in a, what you say, you're a little kid, you're, you fall through the ice, you, something happens dramatically in your life in that moment. You can have you know, your life can change. And then later on, 40 years later, you know, something can occur and it'll bring you right back to that that moment in time when you were a kid and you got injured, you fell off your bike or whatever. So so your beliefs can be changed through repetition or they can be changed through specific moments in time when you're in a heightened emotional state. Um, so change the beliefs of someone and you can control the way they behave. Mm -hmm. Uh, got, uh, DJ out there is bringing it. So let's kind of go one at a time through DJs. Uh, he said, is he talking about cultural context, cultural context, DJ throws out, we call it DJing. He throws out a lot of big words and uh, ideas. He, DJ is entirely too articulate and smart for the 2A community. He's, you're going to have to dumb it down, bro. I'm going to uh, try to answer the question. Cultural, cultural <laughs> context, I guess. I, I guess, you know, culturally, we all have, you know, many different cultures. You're right here in America. There are many different cultures. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that beliefs come from culture, um, come from our surroundings, come from our religious beliefs, uh, come from our political ideologies, which is another interesting topic we could get into. It's it's how the political left has has denounced God and and uh, replaced it with politics. You know, this is it's, it's another way of culturally changing the way people believe and the way people think. Right. So. I think, yeah, culturally, it, it, it's a, it is very, it's a valid question. And I, and I also think that I hate boxes and labels. And I think that when we talk about society and culture and all of that, we're so quick to not only put other people in boxes and put labels on other people, but we're quick to retreat to our own boxes and call ourselves a certain label. Right. Sure. Um, and that to me, that almost is the most un-American thing we could possibly do because the whole idea, to me anyway, of being an American is being an individual. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like I don't belong to any box, right? I could cross over at any given time to whatever, but don't put me in one of those. Don't put a label on me because at any given time that could change. Yeah. Um, DJ goes on here. He says. Um, he says, change their beliefs or just provide the opportunity for understanding. He says, which is more important? Okay, I, I think there's two. Those are two two completely different things. Change the opportunity for understanding means you're giving somebody more data, more information, uh, more things to choose from. Change the opportunity for understanding. That's what I get out of DJ's question there. Um, so the, uh, changing the opportunity for understanding, I, I welcome that. I think that's fantastic. The more information we have, the, the better we can decide and we can and we can choose what's right for us. Um, but changing beliefs 
is a strategy, I believe. And I, and I think that, I think that there's a difference, a very distinct difference between giving people the opportunity to, to create their own beliefs and manipulating Mm-hmm. the their surrounding world their, their outside world to to con- make them conform to a certain belief there's a there's a very distinctive difference there mm-hmm. um so let's uh little palate cleanser real quick for those that are live remember you can put questions out there in the chat as as dj has been doing thanks for that dj um just type the at symbol clover tack you may not be aware of how to tag me and do that um and then also, don't forget the poll up there. We will uh, check that out. We kind of covered that if you came in late earlier in the podcast today, but we covered some of those made-up terms. And so vote on which one you think is the most important that we uh, address as the 2A community. So you mentioned some articles and stuff. We're down to about the last third or so of the hour here, Dan. So I want to get to that. You mentioned... um. Alec Baldwin, you mentioned the Alec Baldwin thing. That's been everywhere. Uh, I haven't uh, commented on, talked about much, at least publicly myself. I've had some back and forth with a lot of people. There's a lot of disagreement <laughs> all over the spectrum uh, with uh, you know what went on, what we should be doing as a 2A community about it, if anything. Um, you know, who's to blame? And, and all that has to do with a... a person you're talking with and how much information that they've uh, been able to get from that uh, case. So I'm real curious, uh, is that something you want to to talk about? I know you said you had a recent article on that. Yeah, yeah. I recently wrote an article in Ammoland uh, about Alec Baldwin. And I, I think ultimately what what the conversation is, is cent- centering around is the idea that it was Alec Baldwin's um, responsibility, ultimately. I mean, the person who, you know, the, the finger that pulled the trigger is, you know, belongs to the person who's responsible for the for the mistake or the, the act of violence or whatever you want to call it. He did it, and there's no taking that back. Uh, nobody would want to be in his position. I mean, that's, that would just be a horrible position to be in, of course. But the, the thing that I, I talked about mostly is that <clears throat> the, the reason it happened, I believe, is because he didn't have an understanding of firearms and he doesn't have a, a healthy respect for the Second Amendment and for handling firearms and and the value that firearms bring to our society, the moral and integrity and you know integrity that they bring to our society. There's a reason we have that Second Amendment written down, <clears throat> and it takes a lot of in-depth understanding um, to know why that Second Amendment was written. And I don't think that these movie actors, the majority of them, and we don't want to put people in boxes, but I definitely use the term liberal. I don't think they get it because a lot of their ideology tells them to denounce and and have a disdain toward the second amendment. They don't take firearms seriously. They don't appreciate people who support the second amendment and they just don't have a full understanding of what it is, what, you know, what gun ownership is. So I think that's part of the problem where you have this guy who, who took the gun, didn't check it, didn't dry fire it, didn't do anything, but pointed it at someone and shot gun owners. Don't do that. 
And the idea that people on the political left will come out are coming out in defense of him, saying that it's not his fault, that it was the fault of the armorer, whoever gave him the gun, which I believe they're responsible as well. But right. the idea that people can look at this situation and not see it as his responsibility tells me that they don't have a grasp on personal responsibility, especially when it comes to firearms. I'm done beating up on Alec Baldwin. You know, I've talked about this topic for now for two or three days, solid, straight, and I'm done beating up on the guy. I just, the idea that people can't understand the concept of responsible firearms ownership, firearms ownership is the problem. But right. yet they're the ones using these things on movie sets and, and whatever. They, they can't be trusted because they don't have a solid understanding. That's my problem with this whole thing. And for them to come out, especially Alec Baldwin coming out and, and bashing gun owners and Second Amendment advocates and, and trying to give Dana Lash a hard time and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then to do something like this, it just shows you how irresponsible he really is. So that's what... That's what I've been talking about in the last few days with Alec Baldwin, or about Alec Baldwin, and um, I think it's a lack of understanding and it's a lack of uh, of responsibility. Well, and I think you know it, it certainly is something that has changed his life forever, regardless. Sure. Uh, and so, but I think no matter how far back you trace this, uh, ultimately it comes around to if he was more aware of what it means to be a firearm owner, a proper firearm safety, uh, you know, anyway, you pick whatever it is, right? Um, even if you, you track it back plumb past the armorer, I mean, he was an executive producer, right? So, I mean, right. if you start going up with the buck stops somewhere, yeah, it ultimately kind of, it kind of comes back around to him anyway, right? Yeah. In a way. And so, you know, that, that begs the question and what I'm, what I'm sad to see is talk with Hollywood about moving away from firearms altogether. Um, oh, with CGI, with, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, actual non-firing prop guns with, you know, uh, the, the myriad of options that they of course have available um, is moving completely away from that. It's kind of a reaction that you're seeing. Now, personally, I don't think that's going to, that's going to stick around. Uh, but it's definitely a reaction that that I'm seeing. And that saddens me a little bit because there's an opportunity in this tragedy um, to potentially do exactly what you're talking about. The answer is not to get rid of the guns, just like the answer is not to get rid of, of, of firearms in society, right? The answer is not to get rid of the firearms in Hollywood either. The answer is to educate the people that are handling and around said yeah. firearms and i think that we're if hollywood decides to move that direction it's it's an opportunity missed and maybe that's something we need to be talking about yeah yeah that's a you know that's a great point um there is an opportunity here and um no it, yeah good point good point so where else do you want to go with the the last little bit we've got here uh, you said you had another article, but there may be something else that you want well, to talk about. I, I recently wrote another article about the list of the list of um, you know 
weapons and ammunition that was left behind in Afghanistan. Um, oh, wow. And that conversation, you know, that conversation just kind of, it's gone away now, unfortunately. <laughs> the 24 seven news cycle, you know, yeah, it, just, it, it claims another victim. What do, what do you do? Right. And I don't have the list. I don't have the list in front of me here, uh, but, uh, but it was, it was quite a list. And, and to think that our, our government could be so irresponsible uh, to, to leave behind, um, you know, all those, all those uh, firearms and, and ammunition and helicopters and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but there is one thing that I think we need to, I, I need to just address real quick. Um, there's a thing called U.S. House Bill 2377. It was passed out of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, it's a federal red flag or extreme protection order legislation uh, that would undoubtedly erode our constitutionally protected individual rights. Um not only does this legislation trample on gun rights, but due process rights are ignored as well. Um, so we talked about, you know, how the universal background checks tie in with the red flag laws. This is a chance now for us to call our our uh, our senators and and demand that people that our elected officials vote no on Bill two three seven seven, because what this could be is a, a national red flag law that could put all of us in danger. Um, there was a guy named Gary Willis in Maryland, and I tell this story several times, but um, he was a victim of a red flag law. One of his family members said that he was a risk to society. And the cops showed up at his house five in the morning, banging on his door. Gary shows up at the door with a gun, because what would you do if someone's knocking your door down at five in the morning? And there was ultimately a scuffle at his door and he got killed in his own home and he did nothing wrong, but it was because a family member uh, turned him in and a judge signed off on a red flag law and enacted uh, a red flag law to confiscate his guns. Red flag laws have, there's no due process for the gun owner. It's just an excuse to send cops into your house, take your guns and then make you uh, fight to get your rights back. So red flag law is probably the most dangerous and the most heinous type of legislation that we have uh, in this country. And, uh, and uh, so I just wanted to address that. There we go. I got to mute. Uh, so admittedly, I don't know everything uh, on that particular bill, but I, I want to say this because I know it's true from uh, red flag law, extreme risk protection order, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Ed, other states is it's not just the firearms they could take away technology in your house they could take away your right to social media accounts they can take away all your kinds kids. of there, there's all kinds of things right uh that come with these so that's one of the things that i like to talk about because obviously the pro 2a side of things we're going to talk about the guns <laughs> right. um what I like to do, because there's so many that holler about that, is go, you need to be looking at these red flag laws. I don't, I don't, I could care less if you're a firearm owner, and I could care less if you care about the Second Amendment. Okay? Put that on the shelf, and how would you feel if somebody took away, as you said, your kids? How would you feel if somebody, just because they made a claim, right, to law enforcement, you know, come in and shut down all your social media accounts. And that's how you communicated with your family, right? That's how you were able to see your grandkids, you know, two or three times a week or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, 
it's it's ridiculous the power that this hands over to a single judge, right? And I know that some of the, the hearings the other day, they were talking about, oh, well, you know, do you really think that a judge is going to just, you know, go out on a whim? Judge, judges act ethically, and they were, you know, putting judges on this high pedestal. Well, some are. Some are. But you're a fool if you think all judges right. are that way. You're a fool if you don't think that some judges are completely ideological, if I can get that word out, on any and everything that they sign off on, any and everything they believe, any and every judgment that comes down, their ideology plays a role in that, right? And what happens when something like this is in play, right? And that may only be a small percentage, right? But that's a small percentage of people that are restricted from their rights. Yeah. And it, it does it, it's not fair. It doesn't make any sense. No. And, and we understand you made a great point. We understand that judges are ideologically driven. And as much as we we don't want it to be that way, they're human beings and they're ideologically driven, which is why and this is a great thing about Trump. This is the best thing about Trump. He knew it, which is why he worked so hard to get Supreme Court justices on that bench um, because he knew that people are ideologically driven. And, you know, you're supposed to, they're supposed to follow the Constitution, but they don't. They, they don't, you know, they might follow the Constitution, but they'll do it with an ideological bent. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so, so you're yeah. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. or they, or they, or they scapegoat the Constitution by falling back on precedence. That happens a lot. Right. And there are a lot of right-leaning judges that, that do that just as much as left-leaning. Sure. Yeah, and I would rather have the right-leaning judges because at least they are closer to the Constitution. <laughs> this is uh, true. <laughs> this is true. Most, most of the time. But, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a if you're gonna pick pick a right leaning judge versus a left leaning leaning judge when it comes to a Second Amendment issue, I'm sure gonna I'm sure gonna cheer on that right leaning judge. But um, that's just the way it is. We're human beings, and we have um, we have biases, we have um, ideological, you know, beliefs, and um, it, it's yeah, it's it's a tough one, but. Uh, Getting the right people in the in the court system is is probably the most important thing we can do, and I think it's the most important thing Trump did. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. Now, two AEDU out there, he said Trump called for red flag laws. Well, uh, and Trump that's did, true. Trump yeah. did a lot of things that yeah. I don't agree with, not just in the two A world, but period. Um, yeah. I I am not a Trumper. Um, you know, I'm not a diehard supporter. Um, any and everybody that goes into politics, uh, at the end of the day, as far as my opinion goes, you're a politician <laughs> and, and I'm going to be watching you at that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And people don't think that, you know, just because, you know, some of us, you know, we voted for Trump and we support Trump, um, that we agree with everything he did. And that, that, uh, that person there with that message made a great point. You know, he, Trump did say, get the guns first and then figure it out later or something like that. Right. I, I couldn't believe when I heard that. I, I yeah. said, my God, he just doesn't get it. And, um, you know, he, he since walked it back. He, he, I think he redeemed himself later on, 
But um, this is an example of how we're human beings and we, you know, these, these people that we put so much trust in, they don't necessarily uh, have it all figured out and, and they're probably working on a lot of their own stuff themselves, you know? Right. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, so as we work on unwinding down, we've got a good one. I'm saving this from uh, Mr. Roboto out there. Um, he says uh, he's been reading The Gun Rights War, uh, opening my eyes. He said recommendations of similar authors, past and present. So uh, other than your books, of course, <laughs> Dan, um, well, you got any recommendations on the reading list out there? There's a lot of uh, a lot of great writers right now on uh, on some of the publications that I write, like Ammo Land. Um, you can you can check that out. I would definitely check out John Lott. John Lott's um, books, are, yeah, just just amazing stuff. Um, just um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of great uh, just a lot of great people out there on the Second Amendment front, and um, you know, just but I would start with John Lott. I would really get get a good understanding of his, of, of his, uh, data. And, and one, one thing I can suggest, and I do this a lot, like I said, I, I like to download information. So what I'll do is I'll get the audiobooks and I'll listen to this mm-hmm. stuff literally while I'm sleeping. And they say that you can, you can download a lot of this stuff while you're, you know, while you're sleeping in unconscious state. So, uh, get the audiobooks. um, check out, check out a lot of the, um, a lot of the gun rights, the John Lott stuff, I would say, start right there. Yeah. So one of the things I like to do, um, I like to dive into original intent. Um, and one of the ways you can do that is just look for books. There's there's quite a few series out there that some really good good authors have written uh, on the founding fathers and the founding framers, uh, and a lot of them include letters between themselves back and forth uh, and look for stuff like that uh, and just thumb through. You don't even have to read the whole books. A lot of times, if you can, of course, check them out at a library, it's, it's a little bit uh, easier than having to buy those, but um, you can thumb through them and just look for the, the second amendment stuff. But the founders and the framers of this country talked a lot about uh, inalienable rights, which of course is uh the preservation of is why the second amendment is there. Um, but they also talked a, a lot about the, the second amendment about uh, firearms ownership or arms. They wouldn't even have said firearms. They would have said weapons of war ownership is pretty much what they would have said. <laughs> uh, you know, you want a warship, a, a uh, uh, you know, an armada, whatever you want to call it of warships. Hey, go for it. Right. You want a cannon, go for it. Right. Yeah. Well, I can give you a, a recommendation here. We're talking about it's not specifically gun related, but a friend of mine named Michael Hart wrote a book called Unknown America, and that will give you an insight on um, on you know the early founding of our country. Um, Unknown America, Michael Hart, check that one out. Dana Lash, her book um, Hands Off My Gun was very inspirational to me before I wrote my my first uh my first edition of good gun bad guy so dana lash too and there's just a lot of different people out there who are writing good stuff uh, but check those out oh and chris ann hall she's a constitutional expert um attorney and uh she's uh, also a friend and she's writing some great stuff too so keep your eye on her for for a real good understanding of, of constitution 
And there you have it. So I've got uh, two AEDU out there. Thank you, sir. Dropping down the uh, $2 super chat. It says US. I don't know where the A went, but that's okay. <laughs> Let me get uh, get back on the screen here. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we did uh, finish out the poll here. That poll was right now. And right now is climate. Uh, which one of these uh, made-up terms is the most important for us to counter? Uh, at 43%, I think probably Dan would agree, I would agree, is gun violence. I think that's yeah. probably the most important one right now. Yeah, if we can uh, kill that, if, if we can kill gun violence... We, we get them on, we put them back on their heels. Right. Uh, 31% on assault rifle. Uh, 15% is ghost gun and high capacity magazine at seven. But as uh, Mike out there so eloquently pointed out, they are pretty much all a big load of boo hockey. So, <laughs> but that would not have made for nearly an interesting poll. So right. I wanted to, I wanted people out there to choose and, uh, yeah, I, I agree with those poll results. That might be the only poll I've ever agreed with in my <laughs> life, but I agree with that poll. Yeah. Um, so, Dan, Dan, I want to give you a second here. Uh, talk about where do people pick up the books, uh, Good Gun, Bad Guy, if they want to read those, including Mr. Roboto out there. Um, where can people follow you on social media or the articles you write? Just where can they find everything that you do? Well, the first book, Good Gun, Bad Guy, looks like this. And you can find this uh, at goodgunbadguy.com uh, or goodgunbadguy.net. And um, you can also find me on my webcast, which is called Loaded Mike, Loaded M-I-C, Mike, like microphone. We do a weekly show, um, heavy on Second Amendment stuff, but we do get into the politics of the day. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a, a couple special uh, special things that we do on the show that make it make it make it fun. And um, so loadedmike.com or goodgunbadguy.com. Awesome. And uh, Dan, it was good to see you a few weeks ago again. And uh, great to have you on. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, if you got something new you think is important, we need to get the word out. We need to talk about. There's tons of stuff I'm sure we could have covered. Um, an hour goes by really, really quick with a guest like you <laughs> that has so much insight on so many different things. So again, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Chris. Had a great time. Let's do it again. And for uh, everybody out there that has toughed through the uh, replay, especially the horrible audio replay with no visuals or anything else. God bless you. You're awesome. Uh, the folks that joined us live, appreciate all of that. And remember, till next time, uh, don't forget to chain fire freedom.